All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your roommate's level veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your host. Hi, Clayton. Hello, Aaron. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, it's hot. It's a hot day in the city. <laughs> it is a hot day in the city already. Um, well, yeah, before we get started with the episode, and this is such a massive episode, we know you guys are excited about it. Uh, we just wanted to take a quick moment and kind of acknowledge um, and provide some some resources if you are looking for them. Obviously, Clayton and I were both really uh, saddened and upset about the recent Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. And if you're like me and you felt kind of like helpless and a little not knowing what to do, uh, there is a great uh, resource that I wanted to point you to, which is uh, choice.crd.co. And this is just a place that has aggregated a lot of really great resources. So if you are somebody who is in need of this essential health care, and you are in a place where that's no longer available to you, it has a lot of really great resources for sort of how to how to find that. If you are somebody who wants to help in some way, wants more information, wants to know kind of what is being done, uh, it's a great place for that as well. So if there's any aspect of this that has affected you uh, or you believe will affect you uh, personally, we wanted to make sure to highlight that resource right here at the top of the episode. So again, that is choice.crd.co. We'll also link it below if that's something that you want to check out. Yeah. All right, Clayton. What's next? New patrons? Yes. So we have a couple new patrons. We have Mm -hmm. Sarah Hannon. Thank you for your patronage. We have Sarah Binks. Thank you for your patronage. We have Apar. Thank you for your patronage. And we have Lois Templin. Thank you for your patronage. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. And I know I feel like we always say we have stuff brewing for the new things for the Patreon page, but we really do. And we will be doing those soon. And we really appreciate anybody who takes the time to uh, to join us over on Patreon because, um, yeah, it really means a lot that you guys are there. So, yeah. Anyway. All right, Clayton. Shall we judge this cover? We read, this week we read Lisa Kleypas's Marrying Winterborn. Mm-hmm. And this is a gorgeous cover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this whole series has great covers, at least what I've seen of them. But this mm-hmm. one, it's just Helen turning her head towards the camera in a beautiful wedding dress. It's just purple. There's orchids. It's it's just gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. All of these covers for this series are just women. It's it's just the heroine by herself. And yeah, they're all absolutely stunning. And this is number two in the Ravenel series. It came out in 2016. Uh, Clayton, what is this book about? So this book is about Helen Ravenel, who mm-hmm. we met last book. And Reese Winterborn, who we also met last book, and they are uh, now together, and there's a lot of crazy shit that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. We find out who Helen's real dad is, and that's a whole thing. And yeah, this book is, I mean, it's a continuation from the first book, although I will say... You don't necessarily have to have read the first book. You don't think so? I think you could, because as a virgin, and having read books in the middle of series, or, you know, number twos, number threes, number fours, without reading the other ones, I do think that you could read this one and still enjoy it without the first one. I don't know why you wouldn't read the first one. But you definitely could without it. Yeah, I feel like, you know, because we talked about not reading Cold Hearted Rake, which now I realize would have been silly. Mm-hmm. But, 
because it was a really fun book to read. And I do think it really, it does establish Reese and Helen in a way that I think like, yes, you could read this book having not read the first one, but I don't think you, it would be like not as rich of a romance, I think if you didn't. But I agree, this is like very much just a continuation of the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first, because in the first book, you kind of see the initial courtship and Reese being ill, and there are scenes from each of their point of view in that book. It's not all just those. Um, it's not all just Kathleen and Devon. Uh, so that helps too. It's like you get. It's like getting a little like sneak peek of of them. So, yeah. What did you think of this book overall? I liked it a lot. I mean, I. Reese is a guy that I really thought was very cool. Like, I just liked mm-hmm. his his personality, how he was. I thought Helen, I really liked too. I mean, I think she is like... I, I loved... What I loved most is like their communication with each other, how they're like really different people, but they were still able to like figure out how to get past obstacles and still be as in love as they were. I loved it. I mean, I thought it was great. Yeah. It was great. It was interesting. Well, this book has been, is in like the zeitgeist at the moment. And it's a book that is like talked about a ton. And I hadn't read the whole book again since I read it for the first time. And obviously like Cleopas is a queen and she's amazing, but I found it so much richer than I remembered it even being. Because the thing is, at the end of the day, it is a fairly simple story because it is just about like, uh, in the last book, Helen breaks off the, or um, Kathleen breaks off the engagement for Helen. And then in this book, Helen is like, no, I actually, I do want to marry you. They get compromise each other. And then the whole book is like them just kind of falling in love and trying to learn how to be a partner to each other. Which is not like a plot heavy book, but it is really interesting in what it does do. And then we get the Claypest bonkersness at the end where there's an illegitimate sister and Helen has to go get her and then tries to flee. Um, but I, what I think this book does that I haven't seen done in many other regions uh this isn't regency in many other like historicals set in england is it really examines blood and it really examines what it means to be born where you're born and to who Mm -hmm. you know because the whole point of the peerage is based i mean which they say explicitly in this book but the whole point of the peerage is based exclusively on bloodlines and the importance of bloodlines and that being the only thing that matters. And during this time of, of like rapid industrialization in England is when, you know, all of these people who don't have those pristine bloodlines are then being thrust forward and sort of like, what does that mean for everything? And and I just found that really interesting. It, it is a really a story about birthright and sort of what you what you get to claim and what you get to build in in a way that I found to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Winterborn so. is a guy who built himself up. Uh-huh. Like, he's, it seems like he was born fairly middle class and that, like, his dad ran a grocery store and I'm, in Wales, and I'm sure that was, like, a, a good living. Mm-hmm. You know, it's he he's not a craven in that he was born in a drain pipe. No. Who is? Yeah, who is? <laughs> uh, but he, you know, he started middle class and then he built up a department store uh, in, in a kind of empire. Yeah. So, yeah, in a way that like Claypus is somebody who is fascinated by that kind of a man at this time in history. Yes, she loves that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. She also loves like a a villain turned hero in the sense of in the first book, I wouldn't say Reese is a full-on villain, but he definitely is not the man that we that we learn to love in this book. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think she pulls that trick very well. She can do that very well, where you know he can do bad stuff in the first book, and then in the second book, you can be like, oh, okay, no, he's just like the greatest. 
<laughs> right. Because at the first book, you think like, oh, he just wants Helen because she's a part of the peerage and she's very beautiful. And that's kind of like all that matters to him. And then Helen ultimately like is upset because he tries to kiss her and she's like kind of not ready for it because she's very shy and extremely sheltered. And so you think, oh, he's this kind of like asshole materialistic brute. And then that's not the case. Well, he even like at the beginning of this book, he even talks about how he is a brute with women Mm -hmm. and how he the way his fuck style that he describes (laughs) is like terrifying. Like he is just like, I just destroy women. (laughs) And he has to figure out when he starts, you know, when it gets down to the nitty gritty with Helen he has to learn how to make love instead of just mm-hmm. like rutting them, which is what he called. Like he he refers to that as rutting sometimes. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. You know, like how do well, you? It also seems. Yeah. What do you say? Well, it seems like that's also what the women are interested in. Yes. You know? Yes. True. Yeah. He hasn't found anybody that truly loves him. Yeah. It's that's that was interesting to me. I mean, I love their first their first scene like it's it's just the epitome of like a sex scene moving the story forward yeah uh well yeah talk more about that well i love when he threw her stockings in the fire her 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 one stocking because he saves the other one another thing clay Mm -hmm. pass loves which is like saving stuff from uh (laughs) the heroine the hero like Mm -hmm. having something that that you know was on the heroine and it, him being like, oh, they're leaving a mark on you, takes one off, throws it in the fire, and she says, "That's you can't just do that to my belongings. And he's like, they're crappy. I could, I have like, <laughs> I could, you know, I, I own a department store. You can have as many silk stockings as you want. And she's like, that, that's not what matters. It matters that like I have worn those and re them and they mean something to me. And he starts to respect that. Like, he's a guy who who might make a mistake, but he learns from it. Yeah. Yeah, that's just really sweet. And also Helen wanting a different engagement ring. Yes, the moonstone the di- instead of the diamond. Yeah. And he's like, you realize that you just got snookered, right? Because you should have <laughs> asked for a tiara, too. <laughs> and she's like, I didn't want and a tiara. Like- and he's like, it doesn't matter. You need to get one up on this guy. <laughs> It's so, yeah, it's, that's so funny. But, you know, the thing about him too is like, and it's, it's, it's cool to read this book in a time where women are, you know, having to stand up and be strong and the he respects strong women. His assistant is a strong woman, the doctor that helps him and he hires after a building falls on him. This, this. Well, he's saving a child, and then when Helen sees him and sees him all hurt, he's not like, uh, I did save a child. He's like, oh, you know, just a just an accident happened, and it's like, re so humble. Yeah. And the, and the best part, too, is like that the street urchin tried to steal his wallet afterwards. Yeah. Listen, that's a street urchin who is going to get fed tonight. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he's looking out for himself, which you got to do. Yeah. You got to respect that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another thing, too, that was was interesting about this book is that, you know, his I mean, for the time, very progressive views about women. Well, that's what I think is interesting, too. It's like him coming, you know, from more humble background, not coming from the peerage that then. What that allows is when he does have money and he's in a position to hire people, he hires differently than a member of the peerage because he's not like, oh, I've only ever had men secretaries, so I need to have a man secretary. He's like, no, I want the person who's most qualified and the most qualified person is this woman. Mm -hmm. And same thing with the doctor where he's like, I want my employees to have the best health care and the best health care is coming from this person. So I'm going to hire her. Yeah. You know, and and I think that happens because you're able to you're not entrenched in this old way of doing things. And I think I mean, that's ultimately why the peerage, I mean, it exists today in a much like more limited capacity. But that's why it ended up failing is because they 
couldn't adapt or they couldn't do new things. And so, yeah, I think it kind of shows what happens when you have somebody, people from like diverse backgrounds is like other people get opportunities because, you know, people aren't as entrenched in, in keeping something a certain way. Yeah, the rigid power structure is something uh-huh. that, you know, is it's very hard to maintain. Yes. I mean, they do their best. Great. Everybody does their, does their best to, to try to maintain it, though. That's for sure. Goddamn, that's right. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, that, you know, Helen thinks that Reese only wants her for the access to this part of society. And Reese thinks that Helen only wants him for his money. And how quickly that's also dissolved. And they both have to kind of figure out like, okay, well, why is this other person here if I can't provide them this specific thing, mm-hmm. you know? Or they can provide, well, Helen ultimately is unable to because her father is a villain. Yes. But, you know, Reese is still rich. So <laughs> yes, yes. Her whatever she wants. But it's, I mean, it's like what, it's, it's that, it's that's thing that we all face no matter what which is why why is this person with me if it's not for the thing i value the most about myself you know right Mm -hmm. and that's hard to get over it's hard to be like wait so if i stop doing a popular romance podcast would this person still want to be with me (laughs) all hypothetical (laughs) obviously but you know what i mean it's that kind of thing where it is like do do I have anything else to give other than what I perceive to be my greatest asset? And it's like true love is that it's it's beyond that. It's beyond what he can provide materialistically, you know, and what she could provide or ostensibly could have provided before the reveal in her bloodline. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, yeah, Helen being so like. You know, and I think every heroine is described as being beautiful. Mm-hmm. But Helen, it's like on another level of the way that she looks. Like she's like arrestingly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be tough too because the people around her recognize her as being like kind of like so beautiful that they're, you know, the same thing where they're like, you need to use your beauty in a better way or you need to get a better husband because you're so beautiful and you could catch somebody better, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that that is Helen's currency in a way that I think is really interesting. And obviously, like, Reese is taken by her beauty for sure, but definitely likes her or loves her for, like, the other things that she provides and sort of the way that he she's able to, like, calm him down and... Um, you know, with the orchids and everything like that. Mm-hmm. She does, I mean, I, she does fall into that trap that I find grating sometimes with heroines. And I guess not so much Helen because Helen also like comes from money. So I get for her, she's like a shopping spree kind of who cares? Like I never have to worry about any bill. So what does it matter? Yeah. But I do find it annoying when people, when heroines come from not as much money and then they have a hero be like, spend as much as you want. They're like, no, I couldn't take advantage of you like that. And I would be like, great. <laughs> I have a, I have a list. Like, let's get shopping. Yeah. But I think that's why I also love uh, Cassandra and Pandora, Helen's sisters, the twins. Cause like whenever they get to do a shopping spree, they are freaking thrilled. And I'm like, this is the cre- the correct response to this. Yes, absolutely. Where they're like, this is so cool. I've been so sheltered my entire life. I get to see all these things. I get to hear about what people are doing in Paris. Like, this is the most fun you can have. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I love, like, Pandora and Cassandra, obviously, they get their own books. Um, and I think Pandora's is next. Um, but they're just like really great characters too. I think the way that Lisa is able to create these family structures or these friend groups where every individual feels like such an individual is really amazing. And I really, you know, it's why we love her books. It's why we read her books, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For her side characters, they don't seem extraneous. No, I mean, not, nothing seems extraneous. We were, not to brag, but I 
was talking to Sarah, to Sarah Sarah McLean and we were talking about like us doing the Ravenels and she was like you know you guys are doing like another series like that again and I was like yeah I think the big thing is because like right now it's like making choices is really hard and there's a lot of like big decisions to be made or, or things to pay attention to and there's something so calming and relaxing about a Claypus book not that they are without like stress or danger or plot or any of these things, but they're, you know, you're going to be taken care of, you know, it's going to be a good story, you know, you're going to be taken away. And I'm like, I just want that level of, to take that level of like decision making out of <laughs> choosing our books. And also just know like, okay, every other book is going to be solid, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like Einstein, so. he wore the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. And it's not like all of her books are the same, like you said, but it's it's just that trust. It's like we just we trust her. She's earned that mm -hmm. trust, you know, in 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 just like the in the quality of her of her books. Now, yeah, is Reese looked at as a favorite for people? Is like Reese up there oh, yeah. for people? Oh yeah, in the in the Claypus in the Claypus hero echelon but also just in general i'd say so well i mean can you having just read the book uh -huh. can you think of what the line that he says that people quote the most what is his what do you think his most famous line would be oh geez <laughs> i'm this is hard because i gave you no indication i was going to ask you yeah that. and i'm pretty bad with remembering like specific lines or scenes. You can maybe name the scene. Oh. Where does it come in the book? Towards the end. Towards the end. Oh, I don't know. What is it? It's after Helen is escaping with her sister and Reese takes her into the office and it's just the two of them alone. And Helen finally confesses to him and says she's going to bring Charity to Paris and she won't bother anybody. And then he says, do you know how long it would take me to find you? Not five fucking minutes. So everybody says five fucking minutes five, for Reese. Five fucking minutes. Oh, I think I think that was on our Instagram. Someone put that on our Instagram. Or maybe you did. Yeah. I mean, it's the famous line that everybody knows about Reese. I mean, that scene, I've probably read just that scene a uh, hundred times. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's it's a famous Claypa scene. It's a it's it's so good because Helen is so, you know, terrified and beaten down. And this thing secret she's been keeping from him, she knows she thinks she's going to lose him. And then to have him just say, like, I fully do not care who your father is. You cannot escape me. Like, anywhere you go, I will find you. Like, you belong with me. I love you. I love your sister because you love her. Mm -hmm. You know, it. it's it's an amazing scene. And Reese is, like, a phenomenal character, I think, for that. And so, somebody, and I wish, I'm sure somebody will be able to show it to us, but... Somebody made like a chart of Claypest heroes and sort of where everybody falls. And I think, you know, she has, Claypest has very specific types. Yes. And I think they're like this type of hero, like Reese is like a Derek Craven, is like a Zachary Bronson. Like there's a specific kind of person who came up in a certain way, who's like a little bit gruff, who's self-made. Um and no, Reese is phenomenal. And I would say Reese, of the Ravenels, the two heroes that people talk about the most are Reese and West. Yes. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I, I did love Reese, but like, I'm really psyched for West's book. Cause yeah. he, he's, I mean, that's the book that you love the cover of. Oh, wow. I think that's going to be, I mean, I think that's going to be the one. Yeah. I mean, not that I, I mean, I really loved this book. Obviously, I loved Reese. I liked Helen as well. Mm -hmm. Where does she rank for heroines? I mean, this, this the strange thing is that people aren't, don't talk as much about heroines as they talk about heroes. 
Yeah. So I don't know where she would rank as far as heroin go, heroines go. I mean, she's amazing. Like, yeah, this book is so fucking good. Because also, you see how, like, it's the perfect romance because you see how each of them changes through the relationship they have with each other. Mm -hmm. And how Helen starts so incredibly meek and sheltered, and she's, like, afraid to even kiss this man that she's, like openly very attracted to to being somebody who like goes into an orphanage lies to the matron in order to steal a child you know is going to basically set out on her own and you don't i don't think that happens to helen without her knowing reese yes yes and I think the way that Reese is able to move past Albin Vance he does threaten to kill him yeah <laughs> so it's not like he forgives him or anything, but the way that Reese is able to just kind of move past that grudge in order to have this relationship with the woman he loves, you know, y- you see that Reese would be a different person without Helen, would be a lesser person without her. And I think ultimately, like, that is what romance is, and that is why we read romance, and that is when a romance really hits is when that's able to come off in a way that isn't like obvious and Mm -hmm. is a subtle change throughout the book until at the end when Helen is running off with charity you're not like oh this is so out of her character you're like no we've been building to her making this decision and to her being able to to could do this you know yeah and then they end up having and end up eloping anyway yes uh here's the big question of course Mm mm-hmm would you fuck them? Yes, both, obviously. You like a smooth daddy? I was surprised because Lisa loves a hairy man. Yeah. Like, Lisa loves an 80s hero. Like, she likes a very specific type physically. And that Reese was 100% smooth through me because I am not used to that with her. I'm used to, like, them all having, like, an insane amount of hair. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's, cause it's funny because Helen does mention, like, she'd seen... West shirtless and and mm-hmm. and I think she also mentions Devin and how they had like tufts of hair. They had like a lot of hair on their body, and the fact that Reese's smooth was surprising to her as well. Yeah, but I love that he's a jacked department store owner. <laughs> you got to be jacked. Everybody's jacked somehow, and it, and you know what? I don't even need to know like what like how that happened. Yeah. Because he he basically sits at a desk all day. It's not like he's, you know, what is he doing to not be, to be so jacked. But it's great. Yeah, but he's, yeah, but he's like made out of welded steel. (laughs) Which is great. I love it. I love it. And of course I would fuck both of them, of course. Yeah, and I think the sex scenes in this book, like you said too, it's like, it's so great how they do move the story forward and how, because there's a lot of them. Like they have sex a ton. Mm-hmm. Which I understand. And they, but it does always feel like this is, like, it's great because every night, Helen, after she discovers sort of who her father is, she's like, I'm going to tell him tonight. And then she goes to his room and they immediately start fucking. And she's like, ew, it can wait, probably. Yeah. It can wait till tomorrow, yeah. certainly. <laughs> and then she just doesn't tell him and doesn't tell him, which is, like, fantastic. It's like, yeah, obviously. Do you think had she told him the first night, like, do you think he would have broken it off? Or do you think he would have been like, all right, let's figure it out? Like, I think he was in so deep. Yeah, I mean, he's in, he was in deep from the beginning. I think he would have said, let's figure this out. I mean, it is, it's funny because it is like his mortal enemy. So it's not just like, you know, oh, your dad's not the person I thought it was. But yeah. I think I think he would have. I think he was. I think he. It might have been like more. There could. There, he might have been angrier or a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think he would have figured it out. He would have been like, "I just mm-hmm. love you too much." Right. Like I kind of. I don't care. Yeah. But I think the the, right. the turning of those screws when it comes to like the secret building up in her created that drama, mm-hmm. you know? 
Well, you also understood why she really felt like she couldn't tell him this or mm-hmm. that this would be the end of them. Like, you never felt like she was being overly cautious or, like, ridiculous. It was like, no, he did keep saying, like, any spawn of his is demon spawn. Yeah. And she's like, whoop, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Strong words. It's not an ordinary um, love and it was not an ordinary hate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, cool. Should we do Goodreads list? Let's do it. Not on as many lists as I thought, honestly. I thought it was going to be on, like, it's on five pages of lists. And a lot of them are, like, anticipated books. This is also a book that, for some reason, I feel like has been with us for a very long time. And it hasn't. If I had to guess when this book was written, I would have said, like, 2004. It's not true. 2016. Um, well, you were saying this book is having a moment. Uh, how so? Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes randomly on, like, Instagram or Twitter, people just all start talking about the same book. It just gets into the zeitgeist. And so this has just been a book that people talk about a lot. People talk about Reese a lot. And about, like, not five fucking minutes a lot. So it's just one that, like, is is around at the moment. Interesting. Yeah. It's great. I mean, Yeah. And I think it's also, like we were saying before, like being able to have this level of a, of an escape or to be able to go into this kind of world, it's great. And it's a fantastic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Goodreads list. Yes. Best historical romances where the quiet, unusual girl gets the guy. I would say in this case, she is quiet. Yeah. Starts out quiet. Best ever. Yeah. Uh, best ever historical romance novels. I would say. I mean, I would say depending on how long the list is. I mean, this is very. This is a great book. Yeah, it's a great book. It wouldn't be my top ten, mm-hmm. but maybe my top twenty. Wow. Yeah, lords, dukes, rakes. Oh my, uh, Winterborn's none of those. No, I mean, I mean, he's not. I guess you could say he was a rake at a point. I get, he was just out there fucking though. It, like for like I feel like a rake there's a level of like suaveness or like like flirtiness that I don't think Reese had. Like I think Reese has like a sexual magnetism for sure that I totally get if you're in like a loveless marriage and you're allowed to like have sex with whoever you want. Like you would see this guy and be like let's fuck. But I don't think that like he was out there like wooing ladies. Like he said, he only ever had one mistress. Like he only really had one girlfriend and he was like, it was fine. I wasn't that into it. Yeah. I guess a rake, there's a style to them. They're, they are, uh, there is an artistry to what they're doing in their minds. Mm -hmm. And he feels more like, I just fuck a lot because I need to fuck and I love fucking. And that does not feel to me like, you're right. It doesn't feel to me like a rake because it's not artistic yeah. in any way. Um, hot, steamy, central historical romances. I would say this is a pretty steamy book. Oh, yeah. It's steamy. Victorian romance working hero. Yep. She loves, Kleypas loves a working hero. Yeah. Uh, gentle giants in romance. Is big. he big? Is he like super big compared to her? Yes. I, that's what Claypus loves a, a thin heroine. Mm. And he, yeah, Helen is very small. Like Kathleen is smaller than her, than Helen, but Helen is still small. Reese is massive. And Helen's hand is so small that when Reese is erect, she cannot close her fingers around his giant dick. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, he does mention the size of his cock within, I think, the first four or five pages of this book? I think it's important to know. Yeah. And I think he's also somebody you look at and you're like, he's packing heat. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, favorite couples in historical romance. Yes. They're a great couple. Yeah, they're a great couple. Love, yeah, love in the merchant class or working class. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he's merchant class. This is one we haven't seen in a minute. Fresh scent of pining hero. Love to see it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he does pine. Historical romance where hero falls in love first. Mm, yes. I think he is more outwardly in love, but I do think like Helen 
like, I think they fall for each other at the same time. Like, I think they fall for each other when he's sick, when Helen is taking care of him. You know, I think that's the moment. I think it takes Helen longer to, like, really reveal those emotions outwardly. But I think they, you know, both love each other pretty quickly. Well, that happens in the first book. So you think during the first book she was in love with him while uh-huh. she was in his, you know, uh, in in his Taking sick bed. Yeah, because I think, you know, she she gets, like, upset with the kissing and she feels like he's, such, like, a powerful, like, potent sexual man and she can't kind of live up to that and she gets herself into a tizzy. And Kathleen goes and breaks off the engagement. And immediately Helen is like, no, I didn't want that. I still want to marry him. Mm-hmm. And basically then the next scene which seems to be like the next day or soon thereafter, she goes to Reese and is like, yeah, I still want to get engaged. If you want to fuck me, let's fuck. Like, uh, let's do this. And I don't think Helen does that unless she really cares about him. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you're right. I guess it is more of an outward thing for him. Yeah, I think he's just closer to his emotions than Helen. Um, best humorous historical romances. Cleopas is funny. Yep, she's always clever. Compromise historical romance. Yeah, this starts with them having sex and her, him immediately telling her cousin <laughs> he fucked her. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think this, and this is a trope that I have put put down, is mm-hmm. agreeing to be compromised because that's what happens, yeah. which I, I think is a fun trope. Definitely. Hero is crazy, jealous, possessive. I don't think so. I didn't think so either. Because Reese does have her followed and he knows that she has met with Alvin Vance and she, he doesn't like fly off the handle about it. He's like trying to get her to tell him why, mm-hmm. but not in a way that is like weirdly aggressive. Like it's, you know, it makes sense. Favorite Dukeless historical romances. No Dukes. No Dukes. Bad boys meet the virgins. I wouldn't call Reese a bad boy. Yeah, I, it's yeah. The definition of bad boy is so slippery. Yeah, like bad boy doesn't necessarily mean like evil person. Like bad boy, mm-hmm. you know, everybody loves a bad boy kind of thing. You know, Donnie Wahlberg in uh, the uh, New Kids on the Block being the most current reference I have to a bad boy. <laughs> Yeah, I guess in this book, he doesn't come off as a bad boy at all. No, he's like very, he like runs a business and treats his employees well. With respect, yeah. Yeah, so. I guess he's a tough guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's probably like a tough employer, but he's not like an asshole. I think Mm -hmm. he just wants what he wants. The best is when he's like eloping with Helen, but still wants to plan a full wedding. And so he has his secretary, like, running crazy. And then the doctor that he hired, not Garrett, but the other one, comes in and is like, you're working her too hard. It's too tough. And, like, brings her lunch. And you can tell that they have, like, a little bit of a romance. Mm-hmm. And Reese is, like, excited about it, too. Uh, heroin meek to tough. I agree. Tortured heroes of historical romance. I don't think he's tortured, other than, like, his best friend is dead, which is sad. Mm-hmm. But... You know, we have seen some tortured heroes, and I wouldn't say Reese is one of them. Oh, yeah. He's not especially tortured now. Love beyond reason? Um, I don't think it's beyond reason. I think no. it's pretty reasonable. Yeah, I do too. Uh, romance, secret, and lies. Secrets and lies. Yes. Bad, bad parents. Helen's birth, Helen's birth father's a jack-off. Her actual, her parents who raised her didn't seem that great either. So no. she has bad parents. Bad luck with parents, Reese seems yeah. fine. Yeah. Love in bloom, romances with florists, landscapers, gardeners, and more. That's Helen. Yep, she loves her orchids. Age gap, historical romances. What was their, how big was their gap? Reese, I think, is in his early 30s, and Helen is, like, just 20 or 21. Okay. 
that's tough about these self-made heroes. It's like they do need to be in their 30s. Because if you were trying to tell me that Reese had done all this and he was like 26, I'd be like, you're lying. Yeah, Like yeah. that's not, it's not possible to do this at that amount of time. That's always the thing with Christian Grey. It's like he's a billionaire and he's only 28 or I don't know how old he's supposed to be, but it, he's like very young. And it's like, how did that happen? Like, you know, I physically. think I don't know the Grey books, but I uh-huh. feel like now with tech, you can stumble into being a billionaire in your 20s because of a fucking mm-hmm. app or some shit where like. Yeah, that's true. Back in the day. You had to build stuff from scratch. Like, you know, you build a department store company from scratch. You're not just like, I got this idea that is going to make it easier for you to do so-and-so. And here you go. I'm going to sell it to a company for half a billion dollars, you know? Yeah. So That's true. That's true. But I don't know what Gray, I don't know what Christian Gray does. Do you know what his actual gig is? No. I don't think anybody knows. I think it's like business in a generic way. The author He's doesn't even know. Person. No, she doesn't give a shit. Yeah. I think, uh, but anyway, Reese, I think, had to be in his 30s just because, like, yeah, to build a department or empire takes time. Yes. Yeah. So what are your tropes, Clayton? Uh, smooth hero. Hairless hero. <laughs> uh, agreeing to be compromised. Shy heroine. Bad dad. My worst enemy is my wife's dad. That <laughs> old one. That old one. <laughs> Sick bed romance. And I mean, that's a pretty big age gap. So I'll go with age gap. Yeah. What are your tropes? Self made hero, big secrets, engaged for the whole book, basically, and love the whole book. Giant hero, small heroine, illegitimate heroine, horticulturist heroine, a secret sister, secret family, mm. Welsh hero. It, it like, do you know the Welsh accent? I have never really heard it. It's like it's very singy song. It's it very is. Like, doo, 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 doo. Yeah, it is. So it's just very funny to think of Reese as being this like tough, exacting employer, and then has a Welsh accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, I'm sure there are tough Welsh people. Like, I don't want to make any enemies in Wales. But, like, it's not what you first think of when you think of, like, a, a, like a tough accent. It's pretty, like, they, like it's, it's like, big round vowels and stuff. Mm. I won't attempt it. But if you Google, like, a Welsh accent, it's, it's funny. I will do that. Anyway. Love Wales, though. Want to visit. Seems gorgeous. Love Matthew Goody. Love Ewan Griffith. Beautiful heroine. Like, I like I said, too, every heroine is beautiful, but then every once in a while you come across these heroines that are, like, the most stunning person anyone has seen. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean. Shy heroine. Not five fucking minutes, which is its own trope, I think, at this stage. It has got to that level. Wow. Um, broken engagement. A sickbed romance, even though it's not sickbed in this book, but that's how they met. Compromised heroine. House party, basically because, yeah, Reese comes to stay with him for a few days. And then clandestine meetings, Helen, like, going to visit him at night, which is great. Those are my tropes. Nice. All right, Clayton, what has you swooning this week? Well, I see what you're swooning about, and I will leave it for you because I also watched this show and thought it was great. Mm -hmm. But... I'm swooning about a podcast, and there's a lot of rewatch podcasts. You know, that's a big thing that's been going on. And I just recently was turned on to the fact that there is a Boy Meets World rewatch podcast (laughs) where, yes, where Topanga and, Mm -hmm. uh, well, I guess it's, you know, uh, Daniel Fisher, Wilfred mm-hmm. L, and Ryder Strong are doing a Boy Meets World rewatch podcast. And there's only been a few episodes because I found out about it and I was like, oh, I hope there's like, I hope they're on like episode 50. But it just started. And uh-huh. I am not a big 
I tried to listen to a few of these kind of rewatch podcasts. I'll see how long I last. They actually seem to be, I mean, they seem like cool people in general and they mm-hmm. seem to really be on task talking about the show in a way that when you try to listen to some other rewatch podcasts, they don't talk about the show. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's what you're there for. Like, if you're going to cash in and do this show, talk about the show. I, I like care mm-hmm. a little bit about your personal life, but like I'm tuning in to hear about the show. I'm not turning in to hear about how the traffic on the 101 was shitty or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. This the there's been three or four episodes. They did a, an episode that was fully just like an interview with the guy who played their dad, uh, who mm-hmm. played you know Corey Matthews' dad, and he's a cool dude. And it's just fun, and it seems like it's something that I'll be able to listen to hopefully for the entire run. So mm-hmm. it's called Pod Meets World, I think. <laughs> uh and yeah, so that's what I'm swooning about. That's fantastic. Aaron, what has you swooning? So I think we'll both do the swoon together. Before that, I just want to like highlight something for all you guys. I was very lucky in that I was able to read Kate Claiborne's newest book, Georgie, all along. Um, I got an arc of it. And you guys aren't ready. This Whoa. book is fucking fantastic. It is... It, it 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 really hit a chord with me because I felt like the heroine Georgie is having an experience and she's unlike any other heroine you've read in a contemporary. She is fantastic. The heroes are fantastic. There's a great dog. It's 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 so well written. It is I tore through it. Um it is really about kind of like the the choices we make when we're young and how that kind of reverberates and and our dreams of growing up and the reality and and all of these kind of like big heavy concepts that I think we all think about so much or I think about so much and I've never seen committed to the page in this way and obviously like we're giant fans of Kate here at yes. this uh, podcast. She is a brilliant and singular writer. Um, this book, I think, it, only somehow she's been able to elevate on herself, which who knew was even possible. It's not out till January, but oh. I'm just saying get your pre-orders in now because trust me, come January, you're going to want to be reading this book. I've already accosted Kate and told her that we want her on the podcast. So hope that'll probably be happening, but that'll be happening closer to the book's release. Um, but anyway, especially, you know, now everything that's going on, it's a heavy time. And to be able to escape into this book was a dream. And uh, I'm so grateful that I got to read it soon, and like sooner than, than January. Um, and yeah, and anybody who thinks this might possibly be a book for you or you've never read Kate before. First, if you've never read Kate before. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, get on with it. Love lettering. um, Luck of the Draw series. Um, You know, let's do this. But anyway, Georgie all along. It's out in January, but available for pre-order now. So I wanted to talk about that first. Um, And then the other thing that we're swooning about, because I watched this, Pat started watching it, Pat made Clayton watch it. Uh, it's a show on Hulu called The Bear, and it is eight or ten episodes. Eight and episodes. And it's all available now. Yeah. It is the best show I've seen in so long. And I'm a TV person, obviously. We've established that fact. It's about a man who is a very celebrated fine dining chef. He's worked at Noma. Uh, and his brother dies. And so he comes home to work at his brother's, like, Chicago sandwich shop. Um, and it's really good. It has, um, and I, I'm i nervous I'm going to say her name wrong, but A.O. Etterby, who is a fantastic writer. She's really funny on Twitter. She was in Dickinson, which is another show I love. And she is, like, the co-lead in this show. She's fantastic as well. Um, and it's the most realistic portrayal of working at a restaurant or what a restaurant kitchen is like that I've ever seen. And I worked in restaurants for, like, basically all of my 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's so good. There's one episode that I think is one take. It's a 20-minute episode, and it's crazy, and it really is 
it yeah, it's just so well done. Yeah, Marnie's husband from Girls is in it, and he's amazing. Oh yeah, he's awful. He's so good, but the character, yeah. I agree. I'm not a TV guy, and you mm-hmm. know, I'll occasionally get you know, Pat will say, "Try this show, try this show," and sometimes I'll like them, and sometimes I won't. This one I binged, which I never do. I mm-hmm. started watching the first episode. They're all half an hour shows, pretty much, except for the last one's 45, and that one, seven episode seven is like 20 some minutes. But otherwise, pretty consistent time, which is big for me. But again, yeah, it's like my and I've talked uh, to people about this is like I I'm getting really turned off by most TV shows being about media and people who work Mm -hmm. in the media. And those shows don't resonate because a lot of people in this country don't care about people who work in media jobs, you know, and mm-hmm. it feels very up their own ass to be writing about, I do this, and how shitty is this, and this is blah, 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 and how dumb is it what we do? It's like, well, if it's dumb, then don't do it, and also, why do we care? Mm-hmm. This is a show that is about people who do an actual job, and yeah, there's dramatic mm-hmm. elements to it, and there's, you know, he's the the lead who was uh, the kid in Shameless. He was on Shameless for the whole run. One of the sons. Yeah, Lip. Jeremy something, yeah. Yeah, so he is a fine dining chef. But you know what? He went to school for it and worked his ass off to do it. So it mm-hmm. doesn't seem unrealistic to me. And it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just a group of, you know, people who are working a job that is tough. And it's a real job that people actually do. And it's great to see that. It's, it's extremely refreshing to see that. So mm-hmm. that's why I liked it. And also, it's just a really great show in general. It's well done. Yeah. And it's an amazing, like, economy of storytelling, too. Like you said, it's like every episode is more or less 30 minutes other than the one-take episode, which is 20 minutes, and then the finale, which is 40-something minutes. Which I think also, like, the finale earns a longer episode. Mm-hmm. And like we always said, like, if you earn those extra minutes, then th- there's not an issue with it. But it... It doesn't feel meandering. It doesn't feel self-indulgent. Like, it's stressful. The entire time you're watching, like, stuff is happening. Like, layered things are happening. The storytelling is really good and really fast. And, like, you know these characters very quickly. And uh, the acting across the board, like, everyone is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, it's just really well done and really well written and well acted. And it's a it's a really fantastic show. Yes. Oh, and I'm not a TV guy, but I recommend it. Yeah. I am a TV person, and I recommend it. So all types love it. So, Erin, I think uh-huh. we did it. Where where can they find us? So don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. That's how people find us. If you can take a little uh, moment to do that, we'd appreciate it. We are on Patreon. If you search Learning the Tropes on Patreon, you'll find us $5 a month. Um, You can email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. Any of your thoughts, something you want to recommend, anything at all. Uh, On Twitter, we're at Learning Tropes. On Instagram, we're at Learning the Tropes. And then we have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop. And then finally, we have our merchandise, which is linked below. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And until next time, happy reading. Happy reading. Bye, guys. Bye.